Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Air Warrior podcast. I am your host, Richard Thomason. Coming up in store this week, the team gather round for a virtual fireside chat on the most pressing military aviation stories following a busy few days of travel to exhibitions and events, including the NATO Air Day in Ostrava. All of that coming up a little later on in the show. The news this week. A U.S. Air Force Northrop Grumman B-2A Spirit Stealth Bomber assigned to the 509th Bomber Wing experienced an in-flight malfunction during a routine training mission in the early hours of September the 14th, performing an emergency landing back at Whiteman Air Force Base, Missouri, during which it was damaged on the runway. Following the accident, a notice to airmen was issued later the same day, putting in place a temporary flight restriction extending for six nautical miles around the base and up to an altitude of 8,000 feet above ground level. The base has confirmed that there were no injuries and no fire associated with the landing, but it is not known how serious the damage to the aircraft was. After much speculation over the last couple of years, it has finally been confirmed that the Indonesian Air Force has ordered the C-130J Super Hercules. An image released by the service on September the 7th to coincide with a visit to the production line in Marietta, Georgia by Chief of Staff Air Marshal Fajar Prasetyo showed him signing the cockpit section of the first aircraft. The cockpit was only a basic frame at the time, indicating that the aircraft is still in the early stages of construction. The Indonesian Air Force has selected a stretch C-130J-30 variant to meet its requirements and placed an order for five aircraft through a direct commercial sale which was signed in late 2019 but has never been made public. No delivery schedule for the aircraft has yet been announced. And finally, two Lockheed F-117 Nighthawks landed at Fresno Yosemite International Airport on September the 13th to conduct dissimilar air combat training missions with the US Air Force's 144th Fighter Wing. The two stealth aircraft are visiting the California Air National Guard base for a full week of training operations with the F-15 Sea Eagles of the local guard unit, the 194th Fighter Squadron. The F-117's minimal radar cross-section and black radar attenuating paint make it a more than suitable platform to perform fighter combat training flights. The F-117 was officially retired by the US Air Force in 2008 after a 25-year service. Despite, however, its official retirement, many F-117s remain airworthy today and are still utilized by the US Air Force. In total, 48 F-117s remain in its inventory, with the service disposing of roughly four aircraft per year. And that was the news. Time now to turn our attention to the modern military team with some highlights and analysis of recent aerospace developments. So good morning, I'm Alan Warnes, the group editor at large of Modern Military. And we're going to look back at what was going on last week. And there was a lot going on. I mean, Caelan Chapman, the deputy editor of Air Force Monthly, was at uh, DSCI. And how was DSCI, Caelan? Oh, it was fun. It was nice to get out and mix in person for the first time after, you know, obviously a year and a half with the pandemic. But again, it was good to see certain projects progressing in industry, a few announcements that came out that were progressive. But at the same time, there's certain projects that really stood out. 
for instance, you know, it was a big week for Rallis and uh, sort of what was supposed to be sort of limited to training and uh, leading fighter training aircraft has now become arguably a multi-mission aircraft that is modular. If you'd set up for training, you can literally change the wings so that its next mission could be light attack or air-to-air combat or ISR. Additionally, they seem very keen to pitch this to navies, making it carrier capable and such, which with the upcoming Goshawk program is possibly one of their targets. They couldn't comment on that, but, uh, you know, it's the sort of thing that they'd be doing. Air Alice, what are they, a production company or just a design company or what? So they're a UK-based startup and their aim is to essentially provide a next-gen multi-mission aircraft. Obviously, they're pitching their Aralis trainer family to the Royal Air Force as a Hawk replacement. They've said that with its digital design and and stuff like that, that it would feed into Tempest from training. But I think with Aralis, I mean, they aim to get their first Aralis A, the lift trainer variant, airborne for the first time by 2024. Lift being leading flight trainer. Yeah. And obviously, what was up in the air until it was announced that the SEI was a propulsion system. They're going to be working with Rolls-Royce to power the Aralis family, which, again, UK-centric. With it being a UK-based startup, it sort of does look to add a bit of rejuvenation to the UK aerospace manufacturing industry. They're aiming for pre-production or to enter production with the production variant, 2026-27. So they're definitely planning ahead. And what's unique about it is the fact that so much on the aircraft can be changed in essence. So that what would have been six different fleets of aircraft can essentially be rolled into one. And it could be a cost-effective solution to a lot of operators. However, obviously, you take competition and other things into account. It will be interesting to see how that develops. But it's been a big week for them. They had a visit from uh, the RAF early on, Rolls-Royce, obviously, that announcement. And an announcement that they have received investment from the Middle East Wealth Fund. They announced a lot, and I think there's going to be more coming out of them, especially with Farber next year and other things. Yeah, because they must have a lot of money behind them to be able to launch production of uh, something like that. Definitely. I mean, I'm not their accountant, so I wouldn't be able to answer that, but it's, uh, it's such a broad ambition with so many different mission sets, so many different variants that... It could be a one solution fits all for yeah, a lot yeah. of operators, big or small. Yeah, okay. And that was for you was one of the main stories, was it? It was one of them. I mean, there was a lot last week. One of the key ones for me especially was Excalibur, the Tempest testbed. That is a Boeing 757 that's going to be modified into a testbed, a flying laboratory that will test the systems and technologies that will be used in a future combat air system. It's a project between Leonardo and 2XL Aviation. What's funny is I was speaking to 2XL and they were telling me that initially they looked at 737s, but they realized very quickly in the feasibility studies that the 737s might not be enough. So they decided to upgrade to the 757, which has enough electrical capacity to cover that. But it's not going to be flying in its nice little pointy you know, with all the bumps and stuff on it for another couple of years. The timeline is very driven by the RAF and the MOD, which is expected in these sorts of programs. But it looks like it's going to be something that people are definitely going to want to see. The initial design work will take place at Doncaster Sheffield Airport in Yorkshire, and then the modification work will take place down in Lasham in Hampshire. 
But at the same time, obviously, following that basing is, you know, it will be up to the MOD, whether it's Boscombe Down or somewhere else. But at the same time, it's not just limited to Tempest and FCAS. It's going to be a platform that can support the development of other projects. So all of its fittings can be essentially removed and replaced with things that are necessary. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting one. And I think if you've seen pictures of it, if you've seen a concept, if you've seen a model, it looks very nice. But yes. it will be on the G-Reg, which means it can not just support British testing and development, but allies and partners if required. To add to that, when it comes to testing and developing FCAS, it will be also used to help with the uncrewed unmanned of, you know, your project mosquitoes, your drone swarming capabilities that are looking to augment Tempest in the mid to late 2030s. During the F-35 development program, the uh, the F-35 development, there was a 757 being used for that as well. And I think the Israelis some years ago used the Boeing 737. I believe F- the 757 was also used for F-22. Yes. They do look very, very odd with all their modifications. Oh, definitely. I think a key operational story that came out from the RAF at DSEI was the announcement that the second protector unit will be 13 Squadron, the Stabbed Cats, I believe the nickname is. Yeah, they're already familiar with remotely piloted aircraft systems. You know, being a reaper of supporting reaper operations abroad from RAF Wellington, so they're already familiar with the setup. So I think you yeah. know it was natural for them to progress over to Protector once they enter service in 2023. But in terms of big stories, I think what needs to be talked about is the new medium helicopter requirement and the certain things that came out about that. Leonardo, on the first day of DSEI, announced Team Tempest UK, which is a consortium of more than 70 companies that are UK-based and will be supporting and forming that supply chain for the AW149 in its bid to replace the Puma, the RF Griffins, the Army Bell 212s. Or, I mean, while those haven't been necessarily confirmed, yeah. you know, that's what everyone's sort of leading towards is that there'll be those four legacy types replaced by one solution. But on the other end of the scale, you had Airbus helicopters. They're obviously proposing their H-175M as a solution. There was a lot of sort of background on that in terms of the civilian variant of it has a lot of Chinese components, which, you know, obviously, given the current state of affairs, would have posed a problem for national security. And with that, we learned that most of those components can be replaced by Western slash European-based manufacturers. In fact, all of them will be uh, to mitigate that issue. Additionally, like Leonardo, Airbus are looking to set up a Broughton in Wales um, to build the militarised H-175 in the UK, both for the UK and for any export customers going forward. Industry seems to predict that there'll be a lot of these sort of roadcraft orders yeah, yeah. coming in the next sort of 10 to 15 years. Lucky Martin didn't say anything about if they were going to offer UH-60 or S-70i. Nothing official has come out from them on the S-70i. Um, Obviously, they're manufactured in Poland, so whether or not would they then invest in building a production line in the UK, which seems to be one of the key points, like a bargaining chip for this competition. So at the end of the day, the requirements haven't yet been released by the MOD, so we don't know what is the most important aspects of these is UK-based production going to be a key factor? Is capability going to be more important? It's all up in the air until the MOD formally announces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, of course, you were chairing the Tempest Digital Conference as well. You forgot to mention that. 
Uh, I suppose there's no problem in forgetting. It's, <laughs> it was my first time, you know, I didn't say it at the time because I didn't want people to think any less of me for doing it or, you know, think that I was going to be naive or anything. But it was my first time doing such a thing. And apart from one moment in the middle where I sort of lost track of what was happening and, and panicked a little bit, you know, I think it could have been a lot worse. Obviously, there's areas to improve and hopefully I get the opportunity to do it again because I feel like I've learned a lot. As I said, it was nice to be with people. It was nice to talk to people. It was nice to yeah. see these seminars happen in person. And to be included in the FCAS one was, you know, it was an honor and a privilege, right. and one that will hopefully occur again. Great stuff. Well, you know, at least you were asked to do it a lot pretty late notice as well. And you were brave enough to take the mantle on. So well done, Karen. A lot of people were probably asked to do it shied away and you, but you did it so well done, done indeed. Uh, I'm a brave kid and of course we also have uh, Joe Campy on here the assistant editor on modern military and Joe bring us up to speed to what's been going on in the UK over the last week or so and bring us right up to date today actually yeah well do so we have Crimson Warrior ongoing right now and that's due to end on the 24th of September the rotary side of the RAF well at the Ministry of Defence have been participating in that exercise at Leeming. Well, that's where they've been operating from. It's been 10 helicopters, two Wildcats, two Apaches, three Chinooks and three Pumas. They've been operating out of Leeming and doing a whole wide range of flying. We have Exercise Joint Warrior that's just started on the 18th of September. A bit of an odd time for a military exercise to start, but it's ongoing for two weeks. It'll be... A total of 14 different nations, 3,500 personnel, 58 aircraft and 16 ships. We all know Joint Warrior is a huge exercise. Contains amphibious landings, evacuations and live fire exercises. And what makes it more interesting this year, it always is, but is that the good old new, good old new, yes, Predator is taking part, the Sky Guardian, which is adding a bit of a different angle to it this year. So that's all the big exercises going on in the UK that we know of. The Sky Guardian, of course, would be called Protector when it's in there. Yes. Yeah. 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 In 2024, it's meant to get its operational capability. Okay. We went over that with a bit of a press event last week. So that's got plenty of information for people to have a look at. Some other things going on last week was the good old famous F-15C of the 48th Fighter Wing, nicknamed the King, finally departed Lake Heath. It stayed around a lot longer than the other two legacy jets. That's gone to Barnes Air National Guard Base back in the States with a bit of an unknown future. We don't know if it's coming back or if it's staying out there and being kept as an Air National Guard jet. Massachusetts Air National Guard, isn't it, Barnes? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and then bringing us up right to speed on what's going on right now. Well, it kind of overlaps with what happened last week. An AC-130W Stinger II went into Mildenhall and is currently flying over the UK as we speak, transitioning back to the US. That's got a call sign of Reach 1036. And then we have actually B-52s off the coast of Denmark. So that's flew out of Jordan, I believe, and that is currently Grim 11 over the coast of Denmark, as I said. Wow. Yeah, be flying out of Jordan, uh, I'd like to know more about it. Yeah. So we also have Exercise York Night coming up in November, and the VIP-configured Swiss Air Force Falcon is just on its way into Lehman for the final planning conference. So that is just about to touch down at Lehman. 
nice little private jet for the spotters and the photographers around Lehman as we speak. But yeah, that's to basically get all the final planning stages done of Exercise York Night 2021. So yeah, that should be all pretty much ready to go for when the Swiss F-18s get here in November. Interesting to know that York Night this year isn't just F-18s, obviously the Swiss Pumas yeah. are coming over as well. Yeah, the Cougars, yeah. Yeah, excellent. That's your roundup, is it, Joe, from what's going on in the UK? Yeah, in the UK, yeah, that's all what's going on that I know of. Hopefully there's some other cool stuff. Maybe we have F-117s going around the <laughs> the UK airspace like the US had the last week. Yeah, of course, two F-117s deployed to Fresno last week as well. And they for did. Once, for once, the US Air Force actually made a comment about that, which is yeah. quite unusual. Yeah, I had the pleasure of doing a quick story on it on the latter end of last week. It was the F-117s, the good old suspicion and the, well, the suspicion kind of ended and the conspiracies kind of ended because it's like you say, Alan, it was the first time the United States Air Force made a bit of an official announcement about it on Divids. And yeah, they were there to do dissimilar air combat training, also known as DACT, with the 144th Fighter Wing of the California Air National Guard which are basically a unit with a main mission for air-to-air combat with their F-15C jets. So, yeah, it's very fitting that F-117s with all... I think as well that the F-15Cs of that squadron, the 194 Fighter Squadron, have just been upgraded with new radar systems. So it is very coincidental that the F-117, being the jet it is, with its radar cross-section, is there working with them to test them radars <laughs> with probably the hardest spotted aircraft ever made on radars so yeah it was a really interesting spot i believe nearly every single photographer aviation enthusiast in california or the united states <laughs> got there in the end yeah <laughs> i think with that as well you know operating f-117s in this stack role i suppose is awfully a lot cheaper than using an f-35 or an f-22 or a b2 um, not that a b2 could perform dacked but, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's stealth, and for some reason that got thrown into the mix. Okay. And, of course, today I think you've got Nigerian Air Force Super Tucanos or A-29s on the way to Presswick. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. They're currently in Iceland. They filed a flight plan for 1,400 arrival into Presswick today. With this podcast going live tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, I believe they would already be been and gone by the time this goes out. But... Yeah, they are six of 12 A-29 Tucanos from the company Sierra Nevada being delivered to the Nigerian Air Force. The other six passed through earlier this year. And it's a really interesting type to come through the UK. I think it's very nice for our enthusiasts to see and obviously a bit different to the usual USAF stuff that pops in from time to time into Presswick. But yeah, they're due to arrive today, speaking on Monday at 1400 and depart tomorrow on towards Nigeria. Great. Well, thanks for that roundup, Joe, on what's been going on in the UK and a little bit about the F-117 in Fresno, which is all very interesting stuff. And I, last week, had a pretty interesting time too. I went over to Kibeli, because I'm currently based in Prague. I went to Kibeli and photographed the Ghana Air Force MI-171SH, which was very nice. The sun was out, so I was... Got some nice images of that. And two days later, I went across to Long Praha and interviewed the director, Diri Potiva, and we had a chat for about nearly an hour about the future of Long Praha, which runs not just helicopters, but also CLV, the flight training center for the Czech Air Force, as well as VRG, virtual reality 
company that is running all the avionics for the NG, L39NG. Yeah, so it was quite an interesting chat and I had the chance to ask him when's he going to order the L39NG and he says we'll find out more about that next year. And then this weekend, uh, well, Friday, I drove across to Ostrava for NATO Air Days, which was uh, pretty interesting because there's a lot of things going on with the Czech Air Force at the moment. It's also a Czech Air Force air show as well as NATO Air Days. So as well as NATO participating. And incidentally, for the first time, as far as I know, there was a Greek Air Force and a Turkish Air Force F-16 solo display teams. And when I walked down into the static, the merchandise departments of both teams are actually right next to each other. And uh, it was quite nice to see. So the organisers should get a bit of a pat on the back there for getting them both together. But also in the static display, there was a UH-1Y and an AH-1Z, which the Czech Air Force are buying. So there was a specially marked MI-24 in the static, flanked by an example of each, which were from HMLA-773 coded WG. And they were very nice to see. And there was about seven aircraft from the US actually in the, in the exhibition in static, as including a Milgnall Osprey. And there was a Reaper in static display too. The unit from Texas, had actually Texas National Guard, had actually visited Czech Republic last week and the week before an ample strike exercise. They were supposed to bring two predators, but one of the C-5s for some reason didn't make it. So only one predator, sorry, not predator, Reaper, only one Reaper came. But the one on static wasn't the one that appeared at the exercise. It was one that the C-5 flew in, a different one, alongside the UH-1Y and AH-1Z helicopter. So that was quite interesting to see. And then we talked a little bit about the uh, Reaper being used at uh, Ample Strike exercise. But probably the biggest thing was that there was two full-scale replicas of the F-35 and the Ripon in the VIP area. So I talked to both Saab and Lockheed Martin about their prospects for possibly replacing the Gripen CD in Czech Air Force service in 2027. And I actually also called up with the Czech Prime Minister as he sat in the F-35 cockpit. And uh, yeah, he seemed to enjoy it. He um, had a look around it. He asked them how much it cost. And Lockheed Martin then replied, I think the cost at the moment, flyaway cost is something like $78.9 million. So. I'm not too sure what you thought about that. I don't know if his budget's going to extend to that. But hey, Lockheed Martin said the price will get lower and the operational costs will get lower as there are more services by the aircraft. Yeah, so it was another ch- chat with the Czech Air Force uh, command as well, an interview. And also, quite surprisingly, I met the Guatemalan Air Force commander there too. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty interesting show. And there wasn't too many other people there trying to move in on my areas. So it was only me really chatting to these people and it was great. And then last night I came back after a five hour drive across country, which was quite tiring. And NATO Air Drains is a good event. And with the Czech Air Force now also using it as their way of promoting what they do, it's even better. So all in all, I think it's been a good week for all three of us really, hasn't it? Indeed. Indeed, yeah. It's been a busy one all around, but a good one in terms of what's coming out and what's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Caleb, and and thank you very much to Joe. Thank you. Cheers, Aunt. Cheers. For our listeners, if you'd like to know more about the topics discussed today and all the rest of the news from the air and space domains, please visit the Key Aero and Air International websites. But for now, until next week, thanks for tuning in.
This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.